Hello, and thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Ashley Burrell. I'm the Secretary of the Board for Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. We will be producing monthly podcasts featuring women of color in the peace and security field. So please visit WCAPS.org regularly for more details. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the WCAPS podcast. I am happy to be here with three of our new young ambassadors for the WCAPS program. I'm gonna ask them to introduce themselves and then we'll have a, a, a very good discussion about some of the things that they do and some of the reasons why they're involved with the organization. My name is Bonnie Jenkins. I am the founder and executive director of WCAPS. And it's really my pleasure to do these podcasts with young women of color and mid-career women of color in the field to showcase the wonderful work that they're doing and the, the great insight that they have in the substantive areas in which they work. So I'd like to start, the, uh, start our discussion by asking our three new young ambassadors to introduce themselves. Um, I'd, last, I'd like uh, Warda to say a little bit about herself first, then Sylvia, and then Blessing. So Warda, can you start? Yes, um, thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Warda Amir. I am a second year graduate student at the Elliott School of International Affairs, where I am, my major is security policy studies, um, and I'm specializing in weapons of mass destruction. Um, my background uh, was in chemical engineering, and I have landed into the area of chemical nonproliferation after doing internships with the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons and other think tanks, including uh, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, um, CSIS, where I was recently in a research intern with their project on nuclear issues. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Sylvia Mishra. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for having uh, me on this podcast. I am presently a Scoville Fellow with the Nuclear Threat Initiative, where I work on nuclear non-proliferation issues and also emerging technologies. My background is in uh, international relations, uh, and I got my first master's from the London School of Economics, and I also got my second master's from the Middlebury Institute of International Studies, uh, where I did my uh, MA in non-proliferation and terrorism studies. And Sylvia, could you say a little bit about what the Scoville Fellow is, fellowship is? Uh, Scoville uh, Fellowship is a competitive uh, fellowship which is awarded to graduates from um, either masters or undergraduates uh, who have uh, expressed an interest to work on international security issues. The Scoville Fellowship usually spans from six to nine months, and it is extremely competitive and one goes through a rigorous uh, process of application and also interview by 25 board members of the Scoville. Excellent. Okay, Blessing, please. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Blessing Express, and I'm a recent master's graduate from American University School's International Service. And I'm currently working at the Department of Defense as a program analyst for the U.S. Army. 
and I work in their sexual harassment and assault response program. So I help to manage their program called Safe Helpline, which uh, monitors and monitors a database of all different army responders. So people who experience sexual assault or harassment within the army can have different resources that they go to. So my job is managing those resources. Great, thanks. And and you all mentioned a little bit about your your um your your job, of course, and where you're working. But could you also say uh, each of you a little bit more about your background and a little bit more about how you got interested in the field that you're in now? Um, so I uh, my background was again in chemical engineering. I was um, I'm, I'm Pakistani American. I am a Muslim American. Um, I don't think I ever imagined myself coming into this field, um, but I think it was, um, for me, I always credit my mentors for um, introducing me to uh, this area and me being able to apply my technical background in this area. Um, and I also think it um, was me being a woman of color. It was me being a Muslim woman. It was me um, kind of... Um, living at in a time where um, growing up, it, there was just so much um, stigma, I guess, associated to my community um, in a post 9-11 world where it wanted, it kind of in, inherently, I always wanted to pursue um, something which would kind of break um, me out of that kind of um, label and out of that stereotype that was associated with my community. And so I'm, I'm very happy to kind of have found myself in this area, knowing that I'm fighting on this side of the line. And I would really, really hope that um, pursuing um, this career just is, is kind of breaking that stereotype in some sort of way. Great. Sylvia? So I'm originally, uh, I come from uh, India. I grew up in uh, Calcutta and I come from an academic family. My uh, father is a professor of international relations. And when I was growing up, he had a strong influence on me. Our dinner table conversations mostly always involved my father explaining to my brother and myself about Plato's philosopher king or Hobbes social contracts. So my early foundations of uh, Western political thought and political science uh, were about were from drawing inspiration uh, from him and his work. Eventually, I uh, I started working on international security issues and found uh, the India-U.S. civilian nuclear uh, deal very interesting, especially because the two countries after being on very different sides during the Cold War eventually came together uh, to pursue common strategic interests and goals. And uh, therefore, I began uh, my work on uh, nuclear issues. But I am very passionate about expanding the role and uh, position of women in nuclear issues in India, uh, nuclear issues and work on hard security issues still very much is the purview of men. 
uh, however uh, and gradually it is changing and i'm happy to be a, a person who is part of that change excellent blessing so for me i decided to get into the field whenever it kind of happened to study abroad program i did so whenever i studied abroad in italy i was working with Oxfam while I was there, and it was in the height of the refugee crisis. So being able to be in that space and be able to do that kind of work really started to inspire me into this field that I didn't know much about. So then that's what led me to grad school. And then as I was in grad school, I became a lot more passionate about African affairs just as me as a Nigerian-American woman and making sure that there's representation from actual African-Americans and Africans in the foreign policy field because I really started to notice how there weren't that many experts from Africa or African diaspora who were able to speak on these issues and on these topics. So that definitely led me into the field and hopefully would continue to help me to build my career in terms of providing more representation and being able to have those discussions and be in those types of spaces of decision-making in terms of Africa. Great. And so I have, I have um, three questions that I'd like each one of you to answer. And um, the first one is, what is, what is, what is your favorite aspect about your career and, and, and the early part of your career and what you're doing now? Um, what is your, what would you say is your model of success? Um, and you can define that as you'd like. And who are your role models? So what do you want to start? Um, I think, um, I'm sorry, can you just repeat like the first question again? What is, well, the questions are, what is your favorite aspect of your, of what you do now, your career? And the second is, uh, what is your what is your model of success? What do you call success? And you guys, I said you can define it as you like. And who are your role models? Okay. Um, so my favorite aspect of my career uh, at this moment, I think, when I'm when I'm I'm so passionate about chemical weapons issues because chemical weapons are being used, um, and it is the only weapons of mass destruction category that is still being used in the world today. And I don't think it's talked about enough. And I don't think it's, um, I, I feel amongst all the categories, it's typically nuclear weapons that gets the most attention. Um, yet there are people in Syria who have been suffering. Um, there are chemical weapons have not just been used in Syria, they've been used in Iraq. They've been used in Malaysia. They've been used in the United Kingdom. Um, and so my favorite aspect of the career is actually working to preserve the norms that were established against the use of chemical weapons um, that are being violated. And there needs to be people who preserve the norm. And I think um, the passion comes from knowing that there's people on the ground who need us to do that work. Um, I guess, um, when it comes to a success, um, what do I define as, as success? It would be um, basically working towards that outcome um, of 
making sure that these norms that are established are preserved. Um, that would be success. I, I, I don't, I, I like to think of this not more as a professional career, but actually as um, work that people need to do for humanity. Um, and I guess that's what's fulfilling to me is the, um, is preserving the norms and, and, and kind of looking after the ethics and moral implications of these weapons that they do have and, and, and seeing them for their humanitarian consequences. And, and I, I, I don't think that we should distinguish the humanitarian element of these weapons from um, all the other laws and policies that surround them. Um, and, and if we're successful, we won't see another WMD being used. That's my definition of success. Um, and as far as role models in the career, um, I, the, the, it's, it's, we, we, I think, need, growing up as a woman of color, there, there's been very few uh, women of color that you know, I can look up to in the field, field and you are definitely one of them, Bonnie. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, I think when I think of role, mo role models, there's not really somebody who looks like me who comes to mind that I could say, point out and be like, that's somebody who was working in the area, who was a Muslim woman who was doing it. So I, I do think that um, our, my role models would have been uh, either older white men or you know, people from different demographics and ethnicities that are not mine, um, who've done great amount of work to create these treaties um, and stuff. But I would like for future uh, young women to be able to look up to women like yourself and, 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 and people from all of our different backgrounds who are working in the area. And I, and I hope that WCAPS is able to put forward these women for, um, for the younger generations to see as they grow up and continue to explore these little different areas and fields um, in international security and peace. Great. Sylvia? Um, great question. Uh, so I uh, think that uh, everyone can actually vouchsafe uh, who are working in the field of security and WMD that it is a grim uh, field and then there are several news uh, that really uh, can uh, make one uh, feel very dejected and feel a lot of uh, grimness about where the future of the world is headed. But one thing that really keeps me motivated and I believe that is pretty much the favorite aspect of my job is a getting up every day and working towards making the world a safer place. And it gives me a lot of uh, satisfaction and solace that even our generation, we have a cohort of young professionals who are working hard every day to make sure that uh, awareness on some of these issues are flagged. For example, I'm part of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, which has a youth group and members of the CTBTO youth group uh, work towards raising awareness of the dangers of nuclear testing. So I believe that is one of my most favorite aspect of working in this field where you are committed to making the world more uh, secure and peaceful. Regarding uh, my uh, model of success, uh, well, uh, 
it would be uh, hard to really define the met metrics of success, but I do see myself uh, in a position where probably uh, in the long term, I would influence US policy making towards Southern Asia, which is China, India, and Pakistan, and also uh, being able to influence policy making uh, through a research work and analysis, essentially injecting language in policy documents and uh, my ability to do so uh, through uh, scholarship, I, I think would be uh, my model of uh, success. Regarding role models, I really do not have uh, one specific person because I feel influences and uh, inspirations come uh, every day in your daily life from uh, people who uh, you're working with or who you know uh, through uh, uh, social networks. So I, uh, I have really uh, learned and drawn inspiration from uh, my mentors, Dr. William Potter, who is really committed to uh, transforming the next generation of nuclear non-proliferation experts, or my mentor uh, uh, from back home in New Delhi, uh, Raji Raja Gopalan, who really uh, has uh, done tremendous work on defense and security issues and have also given me a platform to work with her and understand some of these issues. I am very thankful to you, Bonnie, and uh, I was uh, telling uh, several of my colleagues at NTI that how inspired I was in the last uh, uh, last weekend when we uh, did the WCAPS uh, retreat. And it, it was a really a pleasure uh, getting to uh, know you, see you in action. I, I think I'm uh, deriving a lot of inspiration and I've really followed your career graph and uh, work and it's really inspiring. So yes, I think it's an amalgamation of all uh, different influences uh, uh, in my uh, daily lives that I uh, try to accrue and get inspired and work uh, and do good work. So I guess I'll go ahead and go. Um, so for me, I think one of the biggest reasons I really like being in this field and also getting started in my career is simply the representation that I bring, especially with being at DOD. I don't really see a lot of women that look like me doing the work that I'm doing. So I think that just really inspires me in terms of being able to be in a space like that, knowing that there are people who are looking at me, knowing that they can also do that, even though I'm just starting off in my career and I don't even know where I'll end up, but just knowing that like I'm already making that change in terms of being in spaces and being in rooms where people don't look like me at all, but knowing that I'm still making a difference in that also um, I really like the fact of how I'm being entrusted with providing resources to victims of sexual assault and sexual harassment in the army just knowing that that's been um, sort of a touchy issue throughout the media and that's been touching that's been coming up more so knowing that I'm able to play my part in making sure that people have resources and know where to go is very empowering and that is very much in line with just my human rights background and just my passion overall in human rights. 
And then for my models of success, I don't think I have one necessarily. Kind of like what Sylvia said, I think just for me, I'm what success will look like to me is knowing that I'm inspiring other black women and other women of color to be in this field and to come in to spaces and take up space. I think I didn't really learn that lesson and learn how that success could look like for me until I was in grad school and knowing that there's so few of us already in this field. So I think that's what success would look like to me knowing when I'm like in my career and making sure that I'm able to go back and help other women of color whether they're from abroad or from my home states of Oklahoma and Texas, it's making sure women from like all over are able to at least get into this field and knowing that I can be a resource to them because I know there are so many different women that helped me to get into this position in terms of being able to have my master's and being able to like be in my first full-time job. And I feel um, the role models I have would probably be some of my professors from undergrad, specifically one professor, Dr. Earhart. Um, she was my honors professor, and she really, like, pushed me to come to grad school. I remember I was simply doubting myself because I was like, there's no one that looks like me that's done this before, that's moved from Oklahoma to D.C., that's been in foreign policy. Like, I don't even know any women of color that have done this, and she's really been my cheerleader and really pushed me and I feel as though I definitely would not be in this position without her and without even some of my friends I view them as my role models a lot of my black women friends because they are people who have shown me that like the different routes I can take in this field and all I can do and that my passion for human rights and the work I want to do can like lead me far and then I would also be with Sylvia and say that, Bonnie, you've been such a help. I know for me, I've been struggling to find Black women mentors and people I can look at and be like, oh, my goodness, someone in this field I can look at and see what their career is like and talk with them. So I would definitely say you've been in that realm as well in terms of being able to, like, help define what a career could look like in this field for me. Thank you. Um, but first of all, thank you all for so, so such kind words. Um, and I just want to say that all of you are also uh, inspirations for not only me, um, but also, you know, there's younger women and younger girls who can look up at you. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, you, as, you, as you mature and you become more of an expert in, in the field, you know, you will find yourself... Um, you know, increasingly being a role model as well. So, um, so it's, it's it's great that all of you are are in this field and dedicated to this work. Um, so, I'd like to move on to some other questions, and um, I think Blessing, we'll start with you. We'll go we'll go the other way around. Um, um, say a little bit, and, and all of you already touched on this. Um, say a little bit more about you know of being a woman of color in the field and some of the challenges you face and how you have. Um, overcome some of those challenges and and what what do you think it means to have um, a diverse voice in the field that you're in um, why is it important to that you're there at the table that you're in the field um, and that other other people who are you know of color are working on these issues of, of that you work on but also of US policy foreign policy 
a blessing, maybe you want to start with that? Yeah. So I would say um, two major challenges I faced is um, one, not being taken seriously. Um, I experienced that a lot in grad school in terms of there were just not many Black women in, like, because I studied peace and ethics, so there were not, there were, like, two of us in my program, and being able to, like, have classes with, like, you know, right male students who just were studying security and national foreign policy and just did not take us seriously. I think that's been something that I struggled with, and I feel as the way I was able to overcome that was really being able to assert myself and reminding myself and, you know, sometimes other people that I deserve to be in these classrooms. I deserve to take up space. What I am studying piece is very important. And it is on the other side of, you know, national security and foreign policy. So what I'm bringing to the table and learning as well alongside you is what's going to change the field essentially. So I think being able to just be really assertive and be really proud of what I'm doing has really helped with that. I think another challenge I face is um, being, and I, we discussed this a little bit last week too, but being, not being taken seriously in the term, in the field of like African relations, just, you know, African diaspora, anything having to do with Africa, I feel I've been discouraged from be, being in that area and being in that space and going for that because I don't have the academics behind, you know, studying Africa or anything. I'm just, I'm Nigerian. I'm, that's just who I am. I know so much about Nigeria and just Africa in general. I feel like I know more in terms of like, I'll say like, Street, like street sense or something. I know more, I guess, about the culture and like everything else aside of that, but not having that academic backing and saying that I've taken classes and African studies or anything I think has hindered me and it's been really discouraging. And I don't think I've found the answer to that just yet. I'm still trying to sort through that, but that's been a huge challenge being, knowing that I know what I'm talking about and it's something I'm very passionate about and it's something that I've lived as an African-American woman who's part of the diaspora but being told that I won't be taken seriously because I don't know how to speak fluent French or I haven't lived there for X amount of years has been um, discouraging and frustrating because I know that I know what I'm talking about but I haven't been able to convince other people of that. And what was the second part of the question? Um, what What does it mean to have a diverse voice at the table in the area that you work in? I think at least from like the DOD sense, it shows that women of color, black women, the black community cares about these issues not saying that I want to like make it into a monolith or that I'm the sole representation, but I think just being there shows that people from that those communities care and it affects our lives on a daily basis, whether it's domestic or international. So being able to be there and know what's happening can show that 
there needs to be more of us and that we need to be able to be in these spaces and to continue to bring on more people who know everything from, you know, national security, foreign policy, peace, whatever that the niche is, that we just need to be more of us in those spaces and being able to bring in our voices because I think it does help to bring about change. And I know just in my position alone, I've been able to bring about a lot of change in the work I'm doing. So I think that has been able to help me in a sense and help others who may come after me to know that like, we care about this work, we can do a good job. We just need to be able to find our way in and be able to stay in as well. Excellent. Um, Sylvia? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think the nuclear policy domain in itself is extremely uh, small and niche and uh, being an Indian and a non-US national, being a woman and being a woman of color, uh, the barriers for me have been extremely high uh, for me to break into uh, this uh, small uh, domain in uh, DC. And uh, I always say that uh, the road from uh, New Delhi to DC has not been easy and it has been full of struggles and difficulties. Uh, but one of the core challenges that I face and I continue to uh, face is uh, essentially um, senior experts are trying to uh, box me into only studying uh, Southern Asia. Uh, I understand that I come from South Asia and I have prior knowledge and background on some of South Asian issues, uh, nuclear and defense and security issues, but I also have uh, acquired degrees and have train myself uh, to talk confidently and with substance. So I can talk about an entire range of nuclear and WMD policy issues and not necessarily only box myself uh, to uh, just South Asian issues. So the tendency of senior experts to only expect uh, me to talk about the region uh, just because of my ethnicity, I think is unfair. And uh, that that is one challenge which uh, I continue to face, but it also disappoints me a lot. How I have overcome some of these challenges? Well, I'm still working on uh, them, but I think what has uh, to an extent worked for me is I have been extremely hardworking and whatever little I have achieved, I feel is a uh, fiercely mine uh, due to my uh, dint of uh, hard work and being good at my craft. But I also have to uh, say that along the way, I have found great mentors who have uh, pushed me in the right direction. So I think it's also important to uh, identify those mentors because one always learns a lot uh, from uh, experiences of uh, uh, senior experts who probably have uh, faced uh, similar uh, challenges uh, while uh, they were in their formative uh, stages of the career. Uh, what a diverse voice at the table brings? Well, I think we all know that diversity uh, has amplified productivity and quality of work. But also, I think uh, the 
nuances that uh, people from uh, diverse backgrounds bring into uh, bolstering the quality of work is essential and that's why we should uh, look at promoting more uh, diverse voices uh, women of color and also uh, non-US uh, nationals because it really brings and infuses perspectives which are not predominant and uh, for uh, issues we should always have a 360 degree of understanding and if we and we tend to shun ourselves from that understanding if we don't uh, bring in more diversity great blessing and sylvia both said some really great things that i'm just going to reiterate um i i think the challenge is that we are underrepresented uh, and with underrepresentation sometimes comes this element where you may you're, what you're bringing may be underestimated and sometimes in a room you may be the underdog. Um, but I, I, I feel there's, there, there are ch challenges um, and, and, and I completely agree with what Sylvia said is um, that we should not be boxed into um, are, are assumed to be specialists in, in just the areas that we come from. So when I, when I particularly chose to study chemical nonproliferation, um, I chose not to do a regional concentration in, through grad school because I believe this is an international issue. I also don't want to be assumed just a South Asian expert just because I have Pakistani heritage. And I do think I I have the potential to understand the workings of uh, this, the Chemical Weapons Convention around the world and not just for one particular region. Um, and sometimes, uh, like Sylvia said, there will be people who will see me and, and know that I'm originally from Pakistan and will assume that I am a South Asian expert or that's kind of my area of expertise or that's the area I'm studying and might want to um, focused and that want me, want me to focus on that particular area um, when it comes to any kind of WMD nonproliferation related topic. Um, and I don't think we, sh we, we should be limited uh, like that. And I do, I do think at the same time, uh, while we shouldn't be limited to that, we should also, um, the backgrounds that we bring, the diverse backgrounds that we bring, the experiences that we bring, are something that should also be appreciated. So there's two sides to this. It's not being boxed into where we're from, but it's also not being underappreciated um, with the skills or experience or backgrounds that we have that may help contribute to better policy. And I think the reason why we need people of color at the table is because without them, these issues, number one, impact them. And if we don't acknowledge that, and if we don't acknowledge the experience or the perspective that people of color who are often impacted by these issues can bring, then you're depriving of ourselves of, of a perspective that could help create better policy. Thanks, I think those are all great points. I, I do appreciate the different, uh, the different way of looking at the question from what Blessing was saying in terms of, you know, um, being seen as not having that expertise, but not being valued for having the understanding of the culture, which really is 
very important. And also the other perspectives that you, Warda, and Sylvia mentioned, which is, you know, not being put in a box. So I think these are both important issues and things that people, you know, would be great if people thought about um, as we as we work on this stuff. And, um, you know, and being young women in the field um, and, you know, a lot of these issues, you know, you're, you're attacking a lot of these issues now early on. Um, I wonder what you would say to a young person, uh, say a high school student, uh, a young woman of color in high school, um, you know, or first year of college or something, um, who might be interested in these fields and, and asked you the question was some, um, you know, what would you tell them about, how would you, what would you give, what advice would you give them about, about how interesting this, this issue is and that you work on and how interesting the fields of peace and security are um, and what they should do uh, looking forward to navigate um, and to be successful in this field. And we'll start with Blessing again and go around. So what I would tell women who are in high school or I guess college, I would tell them to just keep going. I feel like for me, that was something that I struggled with because I had such high imposter syndrome, especially going into my master's. I was like, I cannot do this. I don't know anyone who looks like me. Like, I just feel like I am so out of my element. So I would really tell younger women to like, find mentors they don't even have to be in the field just yet because finding people who will at least like push you towards the next step of just like reaffirming you because I feel at least for me and then for you know other women of color I know imposter syndrome is just so high just believing that we don't deserve to be in spaces we don't know what we're talking about just like all these different elements so I would definitely just say to just find mentors who will into you and then just to keep going towards what you want especially in the field of foreign policy the field is so massive in terms of what you can do how you can go about it and then everyone just finds their little corner and just works from there so that would be my biggest piece of advice that I would give and there was a second part to it um no that was that was it uh we can move on okay thanks thanks we can move on to Warda. Uh, um, why don't you why don't you uh, jump in here? All right. Um, I personally would, if, if if there was a high school student who was interested in this area, um, I'd want them to find the power in their voice, and um, I'd want them to know that when they're walking into this area, they're 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 going to be bringing something very unique um, to the area, because just like what what each of us has faced here is, is we're, we're, we are underrepresented um, in our in our particular fields. Um, so, if a young woman of color was interested, um, she would she she would be bringing um, a lot more to the table because she'd be representing her entire um, demographic. But I'd want her to believe in the power of her voice, and I'd want her to um, keep going. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, um, there, there's this resilience that's involved, um, coming into it. Um, and, um, a lot of thick skin and, um, kind of just focusing on what that purpose or what they're trying to achieve in the area. Um, 
And if you can just kind of focus on that goal, I guess all the other obstacles will be um, tackled one one at a time, um, one step at a time. Um, but I, I definitely um, would encourage young women of color to come into the area. And um, I, I think that there, there's, that is how we're going to switch um, or add pers perspectives and add the value of new perspectives in these policy areas is when we give, when we bring more people from different backgrounds into the area. And so they, I, I would want them to know the value in what they're gonna bring, which is not just a professional career, but also a value of ideas and in, 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 in representing an entire perspective that's really underrepresented at the moment. Thanks, Sylvia. Uh, I actually want to echo what both Blessing and Warda said. I think Warda, you put it really beautifully when you say, uh, have belief in the power of your voice. Uh, I, I think that is very telling and uh, and it applies to all of us actually. But uh, if I would have one word of advice, it would uh, be also to focus on uh, self-empowerment. And one could do that through uh, essentially uh, three Ps. Uh, one, uh, passion, be extremely passionate about uh, what you're doing and know why you're doing it, uh, especially in the field of peace and uh, security. Uh, have patience because it is a hard uh, field uh, and it is difficult to exist in the uh, space. Uh, so uh, there would be a lot of uh, roadblocks and uh, obstacles on your way. So have patience and don't lose heart. And uh, three would be have perseverance. Uh, this field also requires uh, long hours of sitting and working hard or uh, doing your research and analysis. So uh, perseverance is a very uh, vital trait to have. Great, thanks. So um, in the last few minutes, I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, the organization. And first, first I wanna once again um, tell you how happy that I am uh, that you're, all three of you are, are joining as our young, uh, young ambassadors for the program. And I know that we had a chance to talk last weekend. Um, for those of you who are listening, we had our leadership retreat of the organization. And so we were happy to bring in, uh, see our three new faces uh, for the organization. And we talked a little bit about things that we hope to do. Um, but I'd like to give maybe each one of you, if you wanted to, um, say a little bit about uh, some of the things that you would like to see the organization do and how you think young women can be involved. And we had a conversation about setting up working groups for areas of interest uh, for, for uh, the members and particularly for the young members, uh, for them to get to know each other, to talk about issues of substance, um, to talk about, you know, where they think, uh, you know, young, young women voices uh, of color should be uh, and how they can that the voices can be integrated into discussions. Um, so say a little bit of word, a few words about that and um, you know your thoughts about working groups and I know we already discussed possibly having one on nonproliferation um, and we can have one on other areas as well but just maybe just say a little bit about those some things that come to your mind on, on the issue of young women of color in the organization and what it can do. And maybe we'll start with you Sylvia and go to Blessing and Morda. 
Right. Uh, so I think uh, WCAPS is actually a great uh, platform to uh, unleash and give life to some of our ideas. And uh, we have uh, been uh, dreaming of ideas, as we all know uh, from our discussions uh, last uh, weekend. And uh, thank you very much, Bonit, for actually giving us the platform. Uh, and also, I know you have been so instrumental uh, in always saying and encouraging encouraging us that, well, uh, like the Youth Ambassadors Program, you young people should be able to drive it. So I'm really excited, one, about the working group, but also this platform also gives us the ability to collaborate uh, with uh, with other young professionals, as in, I know Warda is doing excellent work. I know uh, Laura is doing uh, such great work at RAND and uh, Blessing. So it's really uh, an opportunity to essentially collaborate, uh, share ideas, and also give uh, give life to uh, some of these ideas. And that's something I'm really excited about and uh, looking uh, to be an equal partner in driving some of these goals. Great. We'll see. Um, so for me, I think, well, one, I would really enjoy doing a working group revolving around human rights. That's so broad, but I just love everything in terms of women, gender, African diaspora. So that's really where my heart lies, where my goal is. But I think in terms of my role in being in WCAP, I'm really wanting to bring in other women of color just to the different resources that WCAP has to offer. And I'm very excited to just provide women of color with this resource because I feel as though when I was first starting out, this didn't exist just yet, but I feel as though it would be so great. It would be something that was so great for me when I was starting out, just knowing that different women will be able to use these resources in terms of networking or learning about different areas that they may not be involved in themselves or job opportunities and knowing that WCAPS will be at the forefront of making sure that women of color are being highlighted when positions are open at all these different um, institutions and organizations where women of color have had a harder time getting in but knowing that WCAPS is here now to be like there are these incredible women who study security or study peace or study whatever it may be or have that knowledge and being able to be that driver, I think it's just really exciting. So I'm really just wanting to be on that forefront of making sure that women of color are banding together, knowing that these resources are out there and that we are helping one another to build up our own careers and also just build up this network that we can always lean on and go to whenever we need help or want to offer help or just want to be in community with one another. Thanks. The word up. So um, I think uh, what WCAPS is doing is finally we have an organization which young women of color can look at and actually see other women of color who are in the field. And that makes such a big difference because it, 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 it's, it's a motivation factor for people to join, um, to, to come into the field. Um, so WCAPS is, is, is kind of, will probably be a, 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 a source of inspiration for people, people who want to enter 
the pipeline. Um, I am really, really excited about that. I also think that what WCAPS is doing, it is identifying the existing expertise in the field, particularly um, people from different backgrounds. Um, so when we're talking about creating a working group on nonproliferation, that's exciting because currently, I think we don't have a diverse area at all. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to find people of color, let alone women of color in the area. Um, and I guess what, if we create this working group, I see it being a source of um, kind of a pool where we can bring all this expertise that exists within the field. And on, in the future, on in future panels and on future roundtables and future meetings and conferences, this will be a platform for um, organizations and think tanks and institutes to kind of look into and, and, and extract that expertise of a diverse background. And so that we don't just have a, um, we, we do have different perspectives at any table, any meeting, any policy discussion. Great, thank you. I mean, those, those are all great uh, responses. And we're looking forward to working with you, uh, not, on, not only on the, the, the general uh, areas of work that we wanna do that we talked about last weekend, but also on these working groups. And for those of you listening, we had a conversation of establishing the first working group, which will be uh, looking at um, non-proliferation issues for all areas of weapons of mass destruction. So chemical, biological, nuclear, and we can even include radiological issues as well. Um, so we'll be getting information on that and um, looking forward to having Warda and Sylvia leading that. And we also wanna have other working groups. Um, so there are a number of areas of peace and security that we're interested in. Uh, and the work Blessing is doing uh, is also one area that we can have a focus on. So, you know, please uh, let us know, uh, you can send us an email. Uh, WCAPSnet uh, at WCAPS.org. Uh, if you are interested in, in a, a working group or just uh, go to the website um, under contact and, and uh, send, a, send us some information or request. But we are going to be establishing our first one. So we're looking forward to getting some information out about that as well. So um, I want to take the time to thank um, all of our uh, interviewees, uh, Warda, Sylvia, and Blessing not only for taking the time to do this on a Saturday morning of a long weekend, but also for agreeing to be part of the organization, WCAPS, and to be part of the Young Ambassadors. Uh, we are looking forward to doing a lot of interesting things this year. And uh, so please stay in touch with WCAPS uh, on what we're doing and be sure to keep checking out the website as well as Twitter and Instagram at WCAPSnet. Um, and also on our Facebook page uh, and uh, LinkedIn. So we're, we're on all the sources. So thanks again, all of you for doing this. This is great. Um, looking for, as I said, looking forward to working with you. And, um, you know, have a great weekend, everyone. And uh, stay tuned for, for future WCAPS events. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. Please visit WCAPS.org, that's W-C-A-P-S dot org.